0: It's August 23rd,
2: 1989, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali. The
0: Retrospectors.
1: What do you call 500,000 Lithuanians, 400,000 Latvians, and 300,000 Estonians? If you answered the largest demonstration ever staged in the Baltics. You are correct, for it was today in history in 1989 that citizens of those three nations joined hands in a chain that stretched 430 miles, one of the most memorable protests from the dying days of Soviet power.
0: Yeah, a historian at the University of Tartu, Karel Pirame, told Estonian World that for the people who took part, it's one of the most memorable times of their lives. He said, uh, while he didn't take part in the human chain himself, he can remember the day like 9-11. He said everyone knows where they were when it took place because it was this coming together of so many people, as you say. Estimates put it somewhere near two million, though the Soviet Union itself at the time said that it thought the figures were significantly lower than that.
2: Regardless of exactly the numbers of people involved, and some estimates say it was one quarter of the Baltic populace Mm. forming this continuous human chain... Um, The statement was pretty clear, wasn't it? Which is, we don't want to be occupied and annexed by the USSR anymore. And what's quite interesting about this is that it was permitted by Mikhail Gorbachev. I mean, they knew it was going to happen. And local branches of the Communist Party in each of those uh, countries uh, not only sort of allowed it to happen but even to an extent facilitated it happening. They filmed it and put it on Moscow TV. They allowed radio stations to coordinate noises, at which point everyone would hold hands at 7pm for this demonstration to take place.
1: Yeah, I mean, nonetheless, state media had vigorously painted the protest as being whipped up by a fringe of extremist nationalists, although the sheer scale of participation, something around 25%, made this a really hard sell three days after the Baltic way human chain, the Soviet Central Committee issued a very ominous verdict. They said people should know the abyss into which they're being pushed by their nationalistic leaders. Should they achieve their goals, the possible consequences could be catastrophic to those nations. A question could arise as to their very existence. You know, a great example of ominous Soviet speak, but there was never any follow through. You know, it was clear that the tide really had turned and they couldn't flex that muscle anymore.
0: Yeah, it had actually been organized in order to draw the world's attention to the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact, which was also known as the Hitler-Stalin Pact, which was a treaty that had been signed 50 years prior on this day, 23rd of August, but in 1939, between the foreign ministers of the Soviet Union and Germany, Vyacheslav Molotov and Joachim von Ribbentrop, and it was this secret protocol that accompanied the treaty of non-aggression between those two powers, dividing up Finland, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland and Romania, into the relative spheres of influence of those two powers. So, you know, they were basically saying, well, you have those ones and we'll have these ones. But the subdivision of these places from one another was bound up in what ultimately led to, you know, those crucial early moments in the Second World War where Nazi Germany invaded Poland and then the Soviet Union uh, a year later invaded Estonia and Latvia.
2: But this had been public knowledge across the West for a while. It had come out during the Nuremberg trials that this secret meeting between Hitler and Stalin had occurred. Mm. Um, But Russia then had denied it. And again, sort of the momentum here is, 1989, we're going to have to admit to this. And Gorbachev had admitted that this had happened. And so, yes, this was a sort of visual representation of saying, look what they've done to us. We're independent nations. We were carved up, you know, against our wishes Um, And the groups that led this protest put out a statement saying that the Soviet Union, quote, infringed on the historical right of the Baltic nations to self-determination, presented ruthless ultimatums to the Baltic republics, occupied them with overwhelming military force and under conditions of military occupation and heavy political terror.
1: Yeah, it was only a week before the USSR acknowledged the secret protocol even existed. But even so, their official line was, Yeah, we did agree these would be the countries we control, but totally coincidentally, and not knowing about the secret protocol, those countries also then happened to voluntarily (laughs) join the Federation of Soviet Republics in the exact way laid out in the secret protocol. (laughs) And this really touches on why, for the pro independence movements, there was no reasoning with the Soviet central power because they didn't believe that they had ever been part of the Soviet Union at all. And therefore, although within the Soviet constitution there actually was a process for member states to secede, although as you can probably imagine, no Nobody ever quite managed to do that. The stance of the pro-independence Baltic movements was we don't care what concessions or autonomy we're offered and we don't even want to start going about the process of trying to secede from the Soviet Union because as far as we're concerned, we're not in the Soviet Union. We are still being occupied by the Soviet army.
0: Yeah, the Communist Party had introduced Glasnost, which was the so-called openness policy in government institutions and activities across the Soviet Union. But critics branded it a tortoise-crawling towards freedom of speech. You know, people weren't happy with the pace at which this thing was was reaching them. And there had actually been some previous demonstrations leading up to this one in June in 1986. Uh, There was a Remembrance Day for the victims of the 1941 deportations. And then each subsequent year, they started building towards the 23rd of August, being the date in question that they'd actually try to commemorate as the most significant historical moment from which they could launch their separatist ideals. So, you know, you were sort of coming to this point with a growing enthusiasm and gradually a diminishing sense of state policing. But still, it took a lot of effort to organise this thing, not least because there was no internet to help them do it on the day.
1: Yeah, so the chain was designed to stretch between the capitals of the three countries, hitting up Vilnius, Riga and Tallinn. And there were free buses organised to transport attendees along a local stretch of the route. Obviously, you don't want everyone in the big towns and cities where they live. You need to get that countryside covered as well. And yeah, all done without smartphones or social media. Literally phones, notice boards, all the old-fashioned ways. And once everybody was in place, which was 7pm local time, each person took the hands of their neighbours for a 15-minute period. There are some incredible aerial photos that were taken by the Latvian photojournalist Ives Lipins, taken from a helicopter, so you can really see the scale of the event. As well as the obvious symbolic value, there are really good practical reasons to choose a human chain as a form of protest. For one thing, it's hard to break up. You know, you can't drive tanks and riot police into the middle of it because it's long and Thin And by its very nature, it is pacifist. You're holding onto your neighbour's hands. You can't use your hands. Therefore, it's really hard for a despotic power to try and justify a violent response by trying to claim that the protesters started it when they are literally just holding hands.
2: Mm. This wasn't the first time that a whole bunch of people had held hands for 15 minutes. Um, there had been a protest in Germany in 1983 of 400,000 people holding hands to oppose US missiles being stationed there. And then in 1986, uh, Hands Across America, where between five and six and a half million Americans held hands for 15 minutes in a big human chain, which was raising money for anti-poverty, although the Hands Across America chain was not continuous. So the the Baltic Way chain (laughs) became de facto the longest continuous human chain (laughs) in recorded history.
0: Yeah, I mean, all of this effort to do something that resonated internationally and that was overtly peaceful was for these reasons that they were trying to get the attention of not only the Communist Party, but also you know, the the UN and other countries and the rest of the world. And on the 31st of August, the Baltic activists together issued a joint declaration to the Secretary General of the United Nations claiming to be under threat of aggression and asking for some sort of international commission to be set up to be sent out as well to monitor the situation. And the then US President George H.W. Bush and the Chancellor of West Germany, Helmut Kohl, urged the Soviet Union to show restraint and put into Place some of these peaceful reforms that were being called for. And what happened was after this rhetoric that you were talking about, Rebecca, actually the Communist Party blinked.
1: Yeah, and ultimately in the summer of 1991, those three Baltic states all declared independence and the USSR itself dissolved a few months later. But this had really been a key moment, you know, it was part of a wider movement across the Eastern Bloc known as the Revolutions of 1989. That's the year they peaked with the fall of the Berlin Wall and the official end to of the Cold War. But it actually begun with student protests in Soviet Kazakhstan in 1986 and sort of snowballed from there. This wider Baltic-Pacific movement in the late 80s is sometimes called the Singing Revolution, partly because because it began with the kind of spontaneous singing of patriotic songs at a music festival in Tallinn in 1986, but also because songs formed a huge part of the protest movement. They were a way of clinging to those national cultures that were seen as being under threat from the central Soviet government.
2: Did you see, by the way, where the uh, chain ended?
1: Hmm.
2: I mean, we know it's in uh, Vilnius, but specifically... <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> ends on a tile in the Cathedral Square Plaza in Vilnius, right. which has got some sort of ancient graffiti on it, basically, which says stabuklas, which means miracle in Lithuanian. And this tile is known for its magical wish-granting properties.
0: Whoa.
2: So you can still go, and the advice is you are supposed to spin around three times <laughs> clockwise... Jump up and clap once and make the biggest wish that comes from your heart. <laughs> Given that the last time someone did that, it brought independence to three nations of Europe. Yes. I'd feel like me wanting a new iPad just wouldn't be sufficient. No. <laughs> Tomorrow. Foul as it is, hell itself is defiled by the fouler presence of jobs.
0: Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join
2: Club Retrospector. Patreon.com slash retrospectors.